Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, Executive Director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. And we have my co-host today, uh, Natalie Jablonski, the Nonprofit Ninja. That's right, specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Marjorie, what's on tap for today? Something awesome, I bet. Yes, today we're welcoming our guest, Jan Mizoraka, who is a nonprofit professional specializing in education and alumni work. So Jan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I started out being a volunteer for a number of organizations, and as usual, you volunteer a lot. People <laughs> ask you to volunteer more. And um, some friends of mine came to me in 1991 and said they wanted to start the Parkway Alumni Association, and they were all very much the business end of things, a lawyer, uh, business people, and um, they said they needed a people person. And so I was the people person, and got going and got the Alumni Association. I became their founding executive director, although the title at the time was kind of jack of all trades. <laughs> but um, I think that's really still true, though, the yeah. title of the executive director. Exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. And I started out the first couple of years I worked out of my house, and then Parkway School District saw the value in having a Parkway Alumni Association closely tied uh, to their mission as well as our mission, and I started working out of their offices with Parkway, and I was there to, for a total from the beginning of 25 years. Wow. Well, thank you on behalf of all of our nonprofit professionals listening as well as Marjorie and I for paving the way for executive directors. That's fantastic. So it's a great place to start because you talked about how you kind of grew this from scratch, and uh, some of our listeners out there are contemplating the idea of why do I need an alumni association? Would it benefit for me? Where would I even begin? And so that's really where we kind of started our research when Marjorie and I were talking about this topic. We went to a great blog on the alumnichannel.com and it was all about how to start an alumni group. What do you need to do and reading some of those topics. So one of the questions that I think I get asked a lot when we talk about things like this is, what is the purpose of starting an alumni association, especially for those of us who perhaps maybe aren't in the educational field of nonprofit? Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out how this might work for them. So what's the real purpose behind having an alumni association? Well, that's a really good question because... Thank you. I, you can you can thank the alumni channel blog because it was one of the questions <laughs> that, they, that they discussed. Well, and I would say if you ask that to the general public, they would immediately say, raising money. <laughs> but... That is not the first or the most important reason. The most important reason is what's mutually beneficial for the alum as well as the association that they're an alum from, whether it's a charity that these are people that got their services through the years or a school and these are their graduates. You've got to have that interested constituency mm-hmm. that has a close, <clears throat> a close tie to you. And it's a method of reconnection. The main reason to have uh, an alumni association is to allow people to reconnect with wherever they're an alum of and find happiness, find an opportunity to give back, find an opportunity to reconnect. And the giving back might be time. It might be as a board member. It might be monetary. It might be referring new people 
But it's all about building that network and connection. And that's your alums are your natural resource. Yeah, one of the things that I think about when I hear alumni, and I even kicked it off with my question, is alumni equals education. Because we hear, I think, and connect so much, and I think the fields of education have such robust programs. But what I heard you say, and I don't know about you, Marjorie, I hadn't really thought about this much, is how alumni can be any part of anything that you are part of that you want to keep connected with. So even uh, other organizations that aren't necessarily education-based could have alumni groups. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, you've got a lot of maybe nonprofit organizations that just serve children in general have a good opportunity. And I think any program that graduates people out at some point, I know I recently went through an, uh, a, a train, a year long training class. Um, and that group pretty much immediately put us into an alumni sort of cycle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they call it, but it's definitely the same feel. It's the same thing, yeah. whether it's people that receive services from a, a charity um, or for example, I was on the board of the Ronald McDonald House years ago. Families that received the services of the Ronald McDonald House love to come back and be involved. Absolutely. And that's what you want is those reconnections, whether it's with the other people that were in the house when they were, whether it's with the doctors who serviced them or the hospitals. To me, they're all alumni because they all received your services. So I use that in a very broad mm-hmm. sense, not just to mean education. That's great. One of the things I'd like to see more of is nonprofits using their board of directors who are exiting the organization after their years of service and above and beyond uh, their role. And if you are not familiar with all the different things board members get to do, then you're missing out on a great episode of 501 Crossroads that was done several weeks ago about the relationship between boards and nonprofits because we discussed that. but. Think about how much service they give, how much time they give, the connections they have, and then their service is up, and we give them a plaque and thank them. And I call then it plaque them and whack them. Plaque, oh goodness gracious, <laughs> gently. And so how do we uh, how do we plaque them and cultivate them mm-hmm. and keep them involved in creating some sort of alumni association of board members, which is really neat. The the article that was on the blog that we mentioned noted that there should be really two initial requirements. And Jan, I'm kind of curious as what your thoughts on this. One of them was that initial and willingness uh, of enthusiasm to serve individuals who are willing to take on that organizational in- initiative and sustain it. And then the other is that interest of a reasonable, they called it a nucleus of alumni and friends, uh, that they want to participate in the activities. So not that they're just interested, but they actually would like to do something with that interest. Right. Is that what you find as well? I agree to an extent on that. I think that you have to find people with the passion. Lots of people think an idea sounds neat, but it's neat for someone else to do. (laughs) You have to find the people that have the passion, and out of that passion, the programs will develop. You don't go to a group of people and say, and this is what you're going to do when they're volunteers. (laughs) That's being voluntold, not volunteer. (laughs) Right. And that does never go over well. It's like a command performance at work. So So what are some basic steps that you would suggest if you are, if there are listeners and they're thinking they might want to get started with regards to getting, uh, testing the waters? If we're ready to start an alumni association, is it right for us? Where do they start? So if we're talking about schools, and and that's kind of easier to keep it in one realm there. Please, yeah. um, Find a principal or a coach 
or a teacher that keeps in touch with their past students. Oh, yeah. And there are those in every school that can tell sure. you, and they snip stuff out of the newspaper, and they know where their kids are, and they consider them their kids. Talk to them, have them get a group of their kids together and have coffee, have a glass of wine, whatever. They're all over 21 now. And <laughs> then sit down and see what activities they're interested in. Having enough discussions, it's going to bubble to the top what they want to do, whether they want to recognize teachers, give teachers grants, give teachers awards. A perfect example is we had our very first Hall of Fame for Parkway in 2004. And one of our board members that had always said she was kind of quiet and she was not a fundraiser, sat down at the table with one of the people that was being inducted in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, you always have your board members sit at the different tables. And he asked her, so what does the Alumni Association do? And she started telling him all about the programs that she loved. And at the end of the evening, after all these Hall of Famers had gotten up, taken the mic for their two minutes and talked about how this teacher made a difference in their life by doing this or this teacher, at the end of the night, everybody thought these people were going to talk about themselves because they're all very well um, well read. Their careers are successful. Obviously, they're being inducted. And he turned to her and said, you know, we really need to to capture this and come up with an award or something for these teachers that everybody's talked about. That's awesome. So we ended up starting our largest fund with a board member who said she couldn't fundraise, (laughs) just talking to a man sitting next to her at the table. I love it. And Perfect board member right there. Yes. <laughs> but that's where not everybody even realizes you're giving people the opportunity to give back. You're not asking for money. And that's that's a huge difference. But her passion showed. And that's what you need in your board members is they've got to be passionate about whatever it is. And the programs will naturally come up, whether it's like one group wanted to give grants to students and that caught on really big. One was more interested in reconnecting with teachers. So you have to let them do what they're passionate about. You can't force anything that's not natural. Great advice. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening and you're thinking maybe you need want to explore this a little further, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. But definitely you'll want to visit that blog. They've got a PDF download that you can take a look at. And it's all about just the proposed organizational structure for formal associations, what that might look like uh, to really kind of give you some people like uh, to build it on their own. Some people like a roadmap, so a roadmap, if you will, and that's available to you. But I'd like to dig further into what she was talking about, Marjorie, with Mm -hmm. regards to growing the Alumni Association, because for those who already started, maybe they're ready for the next steps. Exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, once you get that kind of base of people that are kind of really excited you know, what are we going to do to really engage these folks over time? What are some of your suggestions for getting people really engaged and on an ongoing basis, not just like, oh, carry him for the dinner, carry <laughs> <laughs> him for the golf tournament? Well, I think you have to find out what, and I know it's going to sound like I'm a broken record, but what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Because if they love doing golf tournaments or if they love doing craft fairs or one is a trivia buff, let them take off. They'll bring in their own friends. Nobody comes in all by themselves 
and stays by themselves. Because if they're really excited about something, they talk to their friends. That engages more people, and it raises their comfort level. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of us want to be comfortable with it. And if you're doing a, a high school or a college reunion type situation or alumni association, you want to get the people that organize the reunions. Mm. They're obviously organized. They obviously are connected and they have a connection to all the people and the school. So that's, that's one of your real natural grounds for finding board members. Awesome. So what are some, what are some steps for getting that, that long-term loyalty? I know you mentioned, you know, getting people to really engage their friends. I mean, obviously, I think I know from, from personal experience, if I'm going to go somewhere by myself, I might do it once, but if I don't make friends or if my friends aren't there, I'm probably not going to go back. So what do you do to kind of create that? Because I'm sure in an educational standpoint too, there, you've got those built-in clicks from high school and stuff too already. <laughs> Breaking those down might be challenging. <laughs> well, not, not too often. Usually those have kind of passed when they get into the, the nonprofit aspect. Awesome. Um, so you're talking about growing the association once yeah. it started? Growing and then keeping people around. Keeping people around, you have to keep it fun. You have to keep your meetings short. Mm. Thank you. Can you say that again, please? Meetings Keeping... one hour. Thank you so much. <laughs> we had a, I have to tell you a funny story. We had a gentleman on the board at the Ronald McDonald House and, and he may at some point listen to this. He had a pen. And if someone was talking too loud, you'd start tapping that pen and you knew that your time was up. (laughs) You know, it's funny, but it kept us all aware because he had excellent things to say. He was a very professional person, but if you had to say something, you had to think and say it succinctly. And that was really important because everybody wants to socialize after the meeting mm-hmm. or before the meeting, but not during the meeting. Right, exactly. So that's a very important part. And make sure that there's a reason for every meeting. It's not just, well, it's that day of the week. We're having a meeting. Make sure that there are reports, that there are decisions to be made so that at the end of that meeting, they feel like they've truly participated and helped forward the mission. Absolutely. I think one of the big things that I really enjoy when I'm working with alumni team members is when they feel empowered to be able to make those decisions on their own. You know, there obviously is structure and rules and there's certain things you can and cannot do. But I had a great experience where I had was so disappointed. I went to go to my alumni. I was excited to be there. I had to be there for something that was completely unrelated to the educational piece. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go by the bookstore because I wanted a new nameplate for my car. I was excited to get it. My other one had cracked, and I got there five minutes after the bookstore closed. And I didn't realize they were closing early that day. Long story, sad story short, when I had mentioned something to the alumni office, in the mail came a from the bookstore came, came the, the nameplate. And I was so taken back that, obviously, first reaction, yes, they got a very lovely gift that year for their (laughs) annual campaign. Smart. Right. But it was like they heard me, and they listened to me, and they knew how much it meant to me, and they did something. Now, 
will they do that for every single alumni? Did it go out to everybody? No, but that person was able to say, we're going to make it right for this person and make this person really feel connected and engaged. And, and in this case, uh, marketing, complimentary marketing as I'm driving around town, right? <laughs> uh, so I love when they're able to do that. And that was one of the things that the alumnichannel.com article that we referenced was all about growing your alumni association with saying the value of having structure, but yet allowing your staff to be able to have that flexibility to make that alumni member happy. And that's something I, I have in my notes because I was thinking about this earlier. One of the beauties of having actual employees or volunteers that are in charge of programs is having that closer connection. Your alumni director will have, in like in Parkway, connections to the class of 59, the class of 64, the class of 2012. They're across the whole spectrum. They're listening to all the different age groups. And one age group might really like car stickers. Another age group might never like them. <laughs> right. it's, it's meeting them and giving them what they want, when they want it. But having a person that actually works in the office and listens to all the different ones and can bring that to the meeting, the board needs to pay attention to that because they're, I call it their five-year span. You know people two years, you know, behind (laughs) you, two years ahead of you in school. Mm -hmm. That's your five-year span, whereas your directors have a much, much larger span. And just having the time to clip an article when somebody's in the news and Mm -hmm. send it to them and say, hey, great to see you. They may not have time to record, did that bring in the bigger gift this year? But I guarantee you at some point it will. You do nice things. things. That make the details. Exactly. So let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit more because you opened it up all about, you know, the, the span and how different age groups like different things. Because I think at every meeting that I've been to this past year, when we talk about engaging board members, engaging leadership, I keep hearing, how do we get these younger individuals excited about what we're doing? Mm -hmm. And now that we don't love and respect our more experienced board members for what they bring to the table, but they, this is a good thing for those of you who are uh, in our millennial group. They are recognizing the skills you bring. They know that it's not just social media and techie stuff, right? Then they say, so how do we connect to them? How do we get them excited and engaged? And they want to know how to bring more younger individuals to the leadership table. So we were going to the American Council on Education and led us to a great article about that particular topic. But why do you think there is this shift in focus, which is where I I think that's what I would call it, I think, over the past few years, Uh, Jan, when we're talking about this, to bring on these younger alumni, these younger participants in our leadership groups? You know, I think it's because, number one, they bring energy. And, and we're tired. <laughs> so are we. <laughs> with, with youth, there's enthusiasm, there's energy. Um, one reason I believe in board term limits, although my board did not believe in them, um, <laughs> is because when you have turnover and new people in the room, it brings new excitement. And it's not saying anyone isn't as valued, and that's where you have those groups for board members that do roll off the board to stay engaged and be just as valuable. But when you get the new people in the room, they have new ideas, and the younger volunteers have a different mindset. They are much more episodic volunteers 
then I'm going to run a golf tournament every year or a trivia night every year. They want to come and work at an event or do a service project or do a run. They are not the volunteers that necessarily want to sit on boards and be in a lot of meetings because they're not used to that at work. They're used mm-hmm. to podcasts. They're used to streaming. They're used to bullet-pointed letters, not a long newspaper. You have to you have to meet everyone where they are. And I think especially with the younger, um, we have our next president in the Alumni Association is an 06 graduate. And it's wonderful because he can speak to that generation, even though he's 10 years out. He seems really young to us, but he's 10 years out. Right. So that gives you that middle of the road. And we're looking at it. We started, and I think it's probably going to be one of the very successful programs, a networking group. We had a lot of young people show up at the networking group. And because that takes away the age barrier, When you're networking, all ages are a plus. So I think you have to find things that they want to do. They may not be able to afford a $150 golf tournament, Mm -hmm. but get them to come and volunteer at the golf tournament for one episode. Right. So I think you just, everything for them is not a happy hour. They like service (laughs) projects. You look at Habitat for Humanity or some of the very large service-related organizations. You look at when we had the flood of 93, you look at all of those, it's the young people, they want to get out there and help. They want to make a difference. They want to make their stamp. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But so not the way mom did. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, no one wants to do it the way mom did it, right? Yeah. Right. You know, Marjorie, I have to wonder because we talk about this, the two of us off the air a lot about engaging younger board members and such, If you know, it's... We want that, but are we ready for that? Do we know what that looks like? Do we know what they want? And really engaging and talking with that generation, this brings up a lot of good points. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's really hard for people to just kind of overarchingly say we, we want millennials because, you know, almost all millennials are different. I mean, I look at, you know, there are millennials that are playing Pokemon Go, and there are plenty of millennials that are saying, why are you crazy people doing that? Um, <laughs> so, but I think one of the things that you really have to watch out in, in any organization is saying, we want young people and making it a blanket statement. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, if you're a group of, if basically your group is just a bunch, is a lot of people in maybe their 60s, you can't assume that all of a sudden you're going to get a group of people in their 30s. Um, you kind of have to work down. You got to get those people in their fifties mm-hmm. and then their forties and then their thirties so that everybody can kind of hang out together. But you're not going to, you, you've always got to be working that group down, which is so why it's so important to always be cultivating. Yeah. Cultivating. Yeah. And so bringing those young people in now to work the golf event may mean that in 10 years, those are the people that are running your golf tournament, which is so important to keep that kind of flowing the entire way through. Or you may have somebody that wants to make a Pokemon Go that matches your charity and gets everybody involved in it. Exactly. So you have to just, you have to embrace what they're interested in and Mm -hmm. see how it can help your mission. And and always asking that question, how does this affect our mission? Is this part of our mission? Exactly. Um, You know, they may want to start a completely new fundraiser with Frisbee Golf or something. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yeah. It's great. If you've got the manpower to do it, let's do it. <laughs> well, no kidding. And I, I think that's where I see the struggle sometimes with 
boards that I've worked with who tell me these blanket statements of I want to I want to engage some younger members on our board of directors or I want to engage younger members within our alumni to speak up and be on our leadership groups. And then when we do get one lonely sheep who's so excited and decides they will go first and say, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. We don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we have too many events as it is. No, I'm sorry. We can't, we can't possibly make that change. So mm-hmm. if you're going to open up and think about change as a diversity of your particular structure, you need to think and be ready. Are you ready for that type of change? And some boards aren't, and that's okay. But it's again, it's, you can't have the cake and eat it too. So you have Bingo. to figure out that that balance, I think, for your organization. And I think that's a really difficult one because when people are comfortable with a certain fundraiser, mm-hmm. they don't want to let it go. Yeah. And sometimes it's time to let it go and start something new. So is there something that we should be doing before board members exit or before alumni become alumni that would prompt them to be involved and stay engaged in the organization? Well, one part of that question is what to do before they become alums. And number one would be make sure they know the name of your organization and they know what you do. We give grants to students in Parkway and there are so many kids that have gotten grants. We give them out in the classroom as well as at a ceremony for the parents That way, every student in that classroom knows, huh, the Alumni Association gives money to students. So that really helps get our name out there. The employee giving campaign helps the employees learn about what we do. More importantly, really, than their gift, it's a great marketing piece for us. I say us. I, I recently retired, so actually now I should say them. I think we always say us. Once you're part of a nonprofit <laughs> yeah. mission, it just stays in our hearts. That's you're not an mission. alumni of that organization. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's an important piece is making sure they're familiar. Otherwise, they'll think the first letter they get from you is going to be asking for money instead of asking them to attend something and come back to the football game. My my husband, for example, I always use this. He went to Vianney. And he goes back to their uh, homecoming football game every year. And Vianney, being a Catholic school, can serve beer, and they have hot dogs and beer for the the football players, the past players. And they, they just have a jar that you can, you know, put money in, but they never ask for any money. I guarantee you that's the most expensive hot dog we'll ever eat. <laughs> so just invite them back and get them back talking to people, having fun. And and that's the best way. Excellent. Well, I think one of the things we wanted to do was shout out to our our own alumni in our school. Natalie, where'd, where'd you go? Absolutely. So I was a proud graduate of McKendry College before it became McKendry University. And shout out to them because that is where that great story came from with regards to my license plate cover. So kudos to them for listening to their alumni. And then I was pleased to get my master's degree with Webster University. So I have two alumni in my uh, post-high uh, school. And then, of course, I have to go back to my roots. And uh, I'm a graduate of Belleville Township High School West in Belleville, Illinois. How about you, Marjorie? So I am a high school graduate of Greenville High School out in Illinois, kind of uh, just past the suburbs. Um, actually, now I live just about five miles from the school, so that's kind of exciting. I'd love to, Kenny. 
see that a little, see something happen there with some alumni activity. You could start it. I could start it. I'm not sure I've got the time talent. (laughs) Um, And then I I am a proud member of our, of Marquette University's Alumni Association, and they've been doing some really great stuff with engaging their alumni here in St. Louis. Even though the school is in Milwaukee, they've done a really great job with um, engaging local alumni. We've got a great golf tournament that raises a lot of money. We've actually got one of the largest scholarship funds, um, for the local chapters. And then we have a really great, when you were talking about, um, networking, they've got a really great business, uh, meeting every year where they bring in, um, different business leaders from the community, have a little talk and then have some networking time. And that's what actually drew me back in mm-hmm. because I don't know any other Marquette alumni from St. Louis. But I'm willing to go and talk business with people for a couple hours, so that's that's always fun. Now, what about you, Jan? Well, I am a proud Parkway North graduate, Ross <laughs> Elementary, North Junior, and North High. And I obviously loved and had a huge passion for Parkway. I went from there to University of Missouri-St. Louis, and I'm a member of their alumni association, and it's very active. I get lots of good ideas from them. And then I did take nonprofit management at WashU. Nice. Excellent. So, well, this has been so inspiring for me just to be thinking about how I can better serve the boards that I work with and mm-hmm. different groups and thinking about alumni in a different way. I'm really hoping for all of our listeners out there that you perhaps had your eyes open to something new and different and exciting. And if you'd like to get a hold of Jan, because this typically will happen, we'll get phone calls and they'll say, how do we find her? So uh, what information can you give out there in case someone's trying to reach you? I would say feel free to give me a call or a text at 314-780-7472, and I will return it, and we'll have a good talk. Fantastic. Are you on social media as well? I am. I'm on LinkedIn as well as on Facebook. Great. So we'll make sure that spelling her name and everything is in the show notes so you can find her, reach out to her, connect with her, pick her beautiful brain because we have realized, (laughs) thank you so much, it has been a really great topic for us, and I was glad you were able to join us today. Thank you. And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. This is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. And Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe or leave us some feedback so that we know what you like. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening, and remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.